Hey, it's the Weather Channel Podcast. I'm Ari Sarsalari, a meteorologist here at the Weather Channel, and I get to hang out with my good friend, Linda Lamb today. She's also a meteorologist. Hey there. How are you doing? Great, great. Happy uh, to be here. Uh, yes. Well, right now you are. We'll see what you're saying at the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, today we want to talk about just the whole idea of why people don't trust meteorologists. And I really want to make sure to not approach this from the standpoint of just sitting here, two meteorologists whining about how people don't listen to us. <laughs> That's actually one thing that bothers me. You see that all the time on social media. Meteorologists are getting upset on Twitter. They're like, I just don't get why people don't listen. Well, have you ever thought the problem might be us in some situations? Exactly. And I think that's so true. And I think there's a lot of uh, lessons we can learn from the overall public opinion at times uh, when we do get that criticism, that there is something perhaps to that that we can you maybe look at and do some make some improvements. Yeah, exactly. We're always looking to continuously improve, right? That's what we should be doing. And, you know, let me just ask you straight up. Why don't you think people trust meteorologists? I think it's for many reasons. I think sometimes uh, we do get the forecast wrong. We are predicting the future. So we do. It's it's impossible to be right 100 percent of the time. However, we are correct very often. And I don't think people always remember those forecasts that we do get right. So when you're talking about a complicated forecast and perhaps it's not the forecast you're looking for. You're, you kind of go back to the times where we were not exactly 100% accurate. It's very easy to remember the bad one, right? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to remember the one that, oh, I prepared for this and this happened. Okay. Great example of this. I know you did this too to prepare. Okay. I made a couple notes here and I literally took them while I was driving in the car. So I'm driving around with my girlfriend and I said- I hope you weren't actually driving. No, I wasn't driving. She was driving. <laughs> I'm sitting in the passenger seat over here and I just said, you know, I'm going to do a podcast with my buddy Linda uh, about why people don't listen to meteorologists. And Boy, let me tell you, she got fired up right away. She was like, I'll tell you why. This is why, and this is why, and this is why. So for background, she's a firefighter, okay? And I'm looking down at some of the notes I took while she was just unloading on me for about, you know, about <laughs> half an hour. Um, let's talk about a specific event. Atlanta, snow last year. Oh, yes. You remember that one? Uh, how could I forget that? I'm still cleaning up from that storm. Right? It's over a year later. All I, the branches. I yeah. literally just cut a tree down that had half fallen down that was damaged from that storm yeah, like it, a week ago. It was so memorable. I didn't have power for almost 48 hours, and I was not prepared for that. I, and I'm i a meteorologist, so I should have known, right? Now, as I recall, okay, the forecasts for that storm, I remember it. It's so hard like from our perspective, I think, to to remember what the forecasts were, because I know what our forecasts were, right. but I don't know quite as well what the local news was forecasting. And there's a lot of different meteorologists that can forecast a lot of different things. So I think the general idea was it was supposed to be not much snow and it ended up being a lot of snow. Right. Like it was for there was gonna be snow. We knew that and the timing was pretty, pretty accurate, pretty on on key there. But Unfortunately, the amount totals in some areas. Now, in other areas of the city, the forecast was pretty decent. Um, but for certain areas uh, where I lived, for example, I measured 11 inches in my backyard. And I assure you that was not the forecast. I, If I remember correctly, I think it was for maybe two to three inches of snow. Uh, though that's a pretty big difference, especially in a location like Atlanta, where we don't see a lot of snow. So even two to three inches is 
pretty noteworthy. Half an inch or an inch of snow <laughs> is a big deal in Atlanta. Right, Let me tell right. you that. But I, I, the specific words that she said, and I think it's important to listen to people here, right? And Absolutely. you know, honestly, the more I think about it, we should have. Uh, I know you talked to your significant other, your husband, about yep. this as well, and you said he also got kind of fired he up. Did, the, he yeah, did. Yeah. Well, what was he saying? He was saying the same kind of things. You know, like you know, you don't get it right sometimes. But he also pointed out that. A lot of times people don't check back. Like I always, you know, he looks at the forecast and he's like, okay, that's what it is. And he's also, you know, more likely to just ask me and I will stay on top of it. But he's not like many people checking it all the time. And when you have um, some particularly impactful events, the forecast does evolve over time as we get additional data. And I think sometimes people don't always look back at that. So he he was mindful of, of that, but he also he also points out that, um, sometimes the um, forecast is very tricky and can be uh, a little bit more detailed than he wants. And he wants just, is it going to rain? How much is it going to rain? How much is it going to snow? And sometimes those messages uh, don't always get taken correctly. This is the crux of the issue, I think. Yeah. I really think this is at the bottom of it because um, one thing that Grace, that's my girlfriend's name, that's what she, what she was saying was um, – there's there's a lack of knowledge that it's a predictive thing, you know? Right. Like, I think a lot of people just assume that, look, it's 2019. This has got to be a sure thing. Mm -hmm. And I also think there's a lot of pressure, especially in local news. I don't notice this here at all. Um, but I think the biggest thing that we need to find a way to do is to, uh, and within our community in, the, in meteorology, we say this all the time, uh, somehow communicate uncertainty. Right, right, exactly. I think that's the big part of the problem that we somehow in a easy to digest manner need to let people know that there is a range of possibilities and why we have that range of possibilities uh, and that you do need to keep checking back because we will narrow it in like a forecast, especially for snow several days out. You don't know, like in, if it's not within 48 hours, that forecast is probably not very accurate. Um, and of course, some events are more pre easily predictable than others. But I will also say overall, our forecasts have dramatically improved in the last 10, 20 years. So we do have some decent improvement in the forecasts, but we're still not there to the, especially for the very detailed areas. Like when you're talking yeah. in a local market, uh, you, it's, you, you don't know that that far out. I agree. And, you know, once again, we said the crux of the issue is that, you know, people don't understand that. It's a predictive thing. And also, I think a big deal is, like we said earlier, they remember the one bad forecast, right. especially when it's a highly impactful one. And, um, you know, when you're the type of person that's kind of checking the weather every day, you don't hear anything. You don't hear anything. You don't hear anything from from a lot of people. And right. most of that time where you're not hearing anything, the forecast right. is when right. It's sunny and 67 and that was what the forecast for. <laughs> Nobody's going around saying, hey, that was a great forecast. I'm going to remember that. Obviously, that's not the case. It's when you weren't expecting uh, the weather that you received and it impacted you in some negative way that you're going to remember that. And that makes complete sense when you think of, you know, how people it remember. Does. You yeah. Know? And I should give some credit here. OK, there is one time that I distinctly remember where I did get credit for a good forecast. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, this was when I was working in Huntsville, Alabama. If anybody who possibly, you know, used to watch when I was in local news there at Way TV, there was a snowstorm that was hitting Huntsville in, gosh, 2012 or something like that, maybe 13. I can't exactly remember what year it was, but we were predicting a good amount of snow, like eight inches of snow, which is a huge storm for Huntsville. Right. And, um, you know, it was the type of deal we were, our station was on top of a, 
a mountain, basically. It was called Montesano, this mountain in Huntsville, and it was like 700 feet up. It's basically a hill for a lot of you guys that live in real mountains, but we called it a mountain in Huntsville. <laughs> and uh, we were all staying at the station because we knew it was going to snow. You can't get down the mountain. Oh, when... I, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I had done my long shift and when my shift was over, it was time um, It was time for it to start snowing. It, it was already supposed to have started snowing. Basically, the snow was delayed longer than we forecasted. And I was uh, on the air just constantly saying, listen, wait, guys, I know this is a little bit longer than this, but you're going to get your snow. You're going to get your snow. And everybody was just going nuts like, oh, man, you guys busted this forecast. We're not getting anything, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I went back to the air mattress, took my nap, woke up. And when I woke up, there was so much snow on the ground. And I came back to Twitter and people were like, oh, you were just so many people actually saying you were right, which is something that's that a you, good feeling. You right? so rarely hear that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just kind of validation that, uh, you know, one, once in a while it does happen. But getting back to this stuff. OK, let's go back to what my girlfriend was saying in the car. This stuff I pay attention to so much because we can sit around and talk to other meteorologists about this as much as we want. But it's the people who are the customers who care the most, right? Right. And they're the ones we're trying to communicate they the matter. forecast to anyway. That's why we do what we do. Uh, so it is important to, you know, understand why people think. Okay. So here, here's a grace line. When you're wrong all the time, people have lost trust. Mm. That, Respond. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, that's so true. I mean, if you're consistently wrong, then you sh you will lose trust over time. But I do think because that we are right very often. I do think people know that. And, you know, when they really think about it, uh, I think it's really when they're just kind of in a frustrated mood, you know, mood, maybe they don't like our forecast or, you know, they do have that one time uh, remembrance. But it's true. You have. And I think that's important to remember. I don't think we're out here to hype a forecast because we want people to have that trust and we want to be as accurate as possible. I, I know we definitely, you know, give considerable thought to how we communicate our forecasts, um, both through our articles as well as our video, make sure we give as much information as we have, as well as what we don't know, um, so that people do have us as a trusted source of weather. And it is important because there's a lot of sources out there. And I think that might be part of the problem too. I agree. I agree. Um, uh, here's another specific thing. Last year they said flurries. We got snowmageddon. Now she's a firefighter. She goes, we ran 33 calls in 24 hours. We didn't have any chains on the tires because we didn't think that it was supposed to be that much snow. All that kind of, it just goes back once again to it's that one, one event. Time, that, oh yes. man, it affected me heavily. Yes. And now there's just no trust left. It almost doesn't matter how much you can be right after that. It's true. I think you, it does. And it will take, it does in those situations take time to rebuild that trust. And unfortunately, the other thing is where else are you going to get your weather from? If everyone busted the forecast, cast and you still need weather information, you have to trust somebody. Yes. Um, so that that can be a tricky piece of it as what well. What do you think about over-sensationalizing stuff? I, um, I think ahead. that's a part of the problem, um, especially with social media. You have people who aren't necessarily even trained meteorologists putting information out there and then the average person might not realize what is, you know, from a trusted source or not. And then, you know, you do get end up with reliable media outlets trying to make stories more than they are for ratings and that creates problems. And fortunately, you know, uh, most places don't do that. Most, especially, you know, when you get down to, to the weather channel, we don't yeah. 
hype our forecast. We don't hype our forecast, but we certainly, look, it's still also business and you want clicks. Now, I'm not saying we just do straight up clickbait. We have a very strict policy. You know, meteorologists have to sign off on headlines and stuff, but you've got headline writers who are trying to sensationalize something as much as possible. And then the meteorologists push back that says, okay, no, now this is true. You can say this, but you can't say this. And we have very detailed discussions with that. Um, You know, even just slight word changes make a a big difference. Um, But it is a tricky line sometimes and you want to warn people and give people as much warning ahead of time. Um, But sometimes you might not have the, you know, the best data at that point, but you still want to get something out there. So people have a heads up that, hey, you might need to start paying attention as there will might be an impactful system coming. But, you know, both snow as well as with hurricanes, you do want to have a have as much lead time as possible so you can start that planning. Um, but you people need to have that understanding that you need to stay tuned and check back. And then you've also, you know, I see this in local news more often. I don't know how much it's still going on nowadays, but at least when I worked in local news, you do tend to get a lot of, I mean, it's just so competitive there in those markets. You know what I mean? That there's, there. it always seems like management is trying to, uh, push the meteorologists to not only over-sensationalize things, but also I've had many specific situations where I've had management trying to force me to make a commitment on a forecast because they, in their mind that feels they feel like, oh, that's going to make the viewer trust us. We're not going to be waffly. You need to make a commitment. But it's not good. No, that's not good because that can exactly result in that mistrust if it is a really busted forecast. Uh, so that can that can be tricky. And I think there's also that push these days to be the first one out there with a forecast as well for a potential impacting event, whether it's snow Good point. or a flood or a hurricane. You know, you want to be the first one out there. Um, and that has its own challenges. Do you think there's a way to kind of fix this? Like what what do you think we need to do? to fix this. And again, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe we're over sensationalizing how bad the problem is in the first place. <laughs> that, that could very well be the case. I mean, people say it, but people, I mean, they still come back to us. They, I have people that still ask me for forecasts, even yeah. when we have gotten them wrong. So obviously there still is a trust there that we do do the best we can. And we also have to remember that we're constantly seeing model improvements. We have better satellite data. Uh, so the more that improves over time, we'll, we will continue to, you know, have you know, more detailed, more accurate forecasts farther ahead of time. But it it is hard. What do you do? I mean, I do think part of it has to do with communication. And I do think we need to be able to more easily let people know what an uncertainty is without getting bogged down into too many details where people tune out and stop listening. And uh, that, that, that's not, that's not easy. I think it would also help a little bit maybe to be better about admitting when we're wrong. Yeah, you the, know what I mean? You, I that's how you build something rapport. To that. Absolutely. And, and I know we have done um, pieces on the past when we have had an article or, you know, our videos talking about, you know, a forecast that didn't quite match up. I remember there was one, I think it was winter storm Stella a couple of years ago that we had predicted a ton of snow in the I-95 corridor. And then there was a slight jog in the track to the I left. I remember that one. And, you know, there was, you know, tons of snow, but in the immediate I-95 corridor, there wasn't as much as was predicted. So people were talking about a bus, but you went just a little bit north and west and there was icing and there was heavy snow. So it was a very impactful storm, but just a slight change in track made a huge difference to the perception where 
people lived. I ninety five corridor is always a really fun one, right? <laughs> it's it's, With those, it's hard in those the winter. Coastal storms <laughs> where that rain snow line just loves cities like New York City and Boston. Yes, you know Providence, all those fun areas. But yeah, I, that <laughs> rain snow line that is not easy to forecast, even in twenty nineteen. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and everybody wants to know that snow forecast, whether they're hoping for a ton of snow for a day off from school or work or where they're done with the snow and don't want to shovel anymore. You know, people feel very passionately. So I think sometimes in those cases, they even look for the forecast that they want and kind of almost wish cast that that's going to yes. be. <laughs> oh, that's outcome. a great point. I think wish casting is also a uh, problematic thing that happens a lot. Uh, you yes. see it on social media all the time. And, you know, I've seen a lot of strong meteorologists that wish cast sometimes. Gosh, maybe I've even done it before. I think we probably all to a degree yeah. have, you know, at least done it, at least in our minds, kind of, you know, looking at the model. And even though, you know, it's not the most accurate and it's biases, probably this is not going to be the outcome. But, you know, it's kind of what you're looking for. This could happen, guys. Right? It could happen. This could <laughs> this is, could be coming our way. Um, so, I mean, every you know, everyone gets excited over whatever they're looking for. Now, I think there are different kinds of weather that are, you know, some some are easy to forecast, some are difficult to forecast. You know, I think you made a great point. You talk about like the, for instance, one super high impact, difficult thing to forecast is a rain snow line in a northeast snowstorm. Right. Because it always likes to set up right next to I-95. And it's always like if the storm moves 20 miles inland, it's going to be all rain. If it moves 20 miles out to sea, then it's going to be a monster snowstorm. Right. And that makes a huge difference in impacts for tons and tons of people. So that's uh, that's very tricky. So that's one thing that we but we've got to be able to communicate it then, right? Exactly. And I think that is hard cuz you you know and I you know some you can do kind of, you know, like a worst case scenario, a best case scenario. Um but even that I think is too confusing at times cuz that's a lot of data for the average person to digest. I mean, that can be a lot of data for even us to digest at times it when is. you're talking about a wide area with wide ranging impacts. But still, the crazy thing is, I mean, that's a legitimate situation that could come up even one, one and a half days away from an event where yes. we where we don't know whether it's going to be all rain or or 12 inches of snow. You know what right. I mean? So I think too often people, uh, and I'm not blaming people for this, I'm, I'm saying like maybe we need to re-look at the way we do things as meteorologists because everybody's craving that. They want that snow totals graphic. They want the yes, map. Show yes. me my city. How much snow am I going to get? What if we start to do something like, look, this one just happens to be really tricky, okay? Here's scenario one. Here's scenario two. I can't tell you what's going to happen yet. I wish I could, you know? I think there are times where that's absolutely the way to go, uh, that that gives the viewer or the listener the best information that you have, because uh, sometimes you really do have two completely different scenarios, and then to just forecast maybe a middle of the road probably doesn't actually a picture what it will actually more likely happen. Yeah. So then you've also got things that are really easy to forecast, relatively easy, I should say, compared to other things. Like, um, especially one thing that's gotten so much higher quality with the forecasting over the last several years is hurricane forecasting. Yes, especially the track. Intensity, yes. there's still, a, we do still have uh, some improvements uh, to go there, but hurricane tracks have improved quite a bit over the last several years, which is awesome to see because um, those events can be very impactful. I mean, think about the more recent hurricanes. We've, you know, even last year with Harvey and Irma, those tracks, for the most part, we had a decent handling um, on what was going to happen several days out, which I mean, that's that's important. Yeah, it is very important. And by the way, 
Uh, if you weren't familiar with this fact yet, now you know that Linda's from Boston because <laughs> yes. Linda's, you've been away from Boston for long enough that you don't have like the hardcore Boston accent. No, I do not. But every <laughs> once in a while, I'm in the middle of a conversation with her. I'm like, whoa, there's Boston, like <laughs> it, a hurricane it, all of a sudden out of nowhere. It totally does come out <laughs> at times. That's so true. I love so it. True. Well, these are some good thoughts. I mean, you got anything else? Uh, I think the only other point I want to make is that the part that really kind of gets to me at times is, you know, people don't necessarily listen to us, but when they don't listen and then they don't act on what they need to do, like when there's flash flooding and they drive through a flooded roadway when, you know, you've been told that there is, you know, high risk of flooding, you know, to see those people being rescued when they can clearly see now there are cases where you're it's dark, you don't know what you're driving into. Um, but when people don't heed evacuation orders, those sorts of things, yeah. that's what really gets to me that we, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, there does. And I, and I think... Once again, I think that's on us. I yes. really oh, do. Ab absolutely. And maybe we need to work better with emergency managers or our local governments uh, to really help improve that messaging. Because what we're doing now is, is there's still some improvement, a lot of improvement, in my opinion, uh, that needs to occur. I think, um, you know, you look at something like tornado warnings. I don't blame somebody for not taking a tornado warning seriously. Right. False alarm rate's still like 70% and over in most spots, and that's a good one. You know what I mean? And especially if you are in an area that receives uh, numerous tornado warnings right. in a given year. Like you're, it's how you might not necessarily take action every single time. And do I, I don't blame that. Now, um, listen, me as a meteorologist, even when I, I see a tornado yes. warning, my first thought isn't, oh no, a tornado's coming. My first thought is, oh, okay, it's a tornado warning. Well, let me pull out the radar and exact, just see if this is legit or not. I do the exact same thing. And yeah. that's in reality, that's not what your first action should be do. You should get to your safe spot and then perhaps start getting out the radar. Right. But I do the same thing. And that's, if we don't even do that, I, <laughs> you know, but there is some research showing that people do, you know, they'll see the tornado warning and then they'll seek additional information, you know, which is good. I mean, yeah. at least they don't just completely blow it off. I, I hope in most situations right. and looking at tornado deaths, I mean, there's definitely been um, drops in numbers since we do have a much better warning system yes. in place and better radar data. Uh, that definitely does help. That's but, only going to improve. But like you said, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll echo your sentiments. The one that always gets me is seeing people drive through flood water. And, yes. But here's the thing. I get it because like so often it just looks like it's a puddle or something. Yeah, the flooding is really the one that bothers me the most. Whenever I see those pictures, you know, when it's clear what they're doing, it's just... Uh, I think it bothers you and me so much because we've seen so many situations. Of... I've, I've, you see so many of them. And then we write and write articles and we do videos on how many people die in these storms. And, you know, we do our best and to make sure that people stay safe. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I became a meteorologist is so that I can give the best forecast I can to keep people safe and let them have make the precautions that they need to take. You yeah. know, storm surge is another one that uh, it's, it's kind of tough. It's tough to understand. I think we just throw the words around too much because we got all this video of storm surge. How that, powerful it and is. And it's just perfect examples of like, okay, just in case you don't know what storm surge is, it's literally the coast becomes the ocean. Like, right. This is, and there's no way to get out. So let me show you. Don't do, don't stay. Absolutely. I think those, you know, rare events are hard to visualize for someone unless you've been through it or have seen, you know, real actual video and not like from a movie. Exactly. you got a lot of transplants that don't know what's going on. So Linda, true. what is your Twitter? Linda Lamb 08. Okay. I'm at Ari Weather, A-R-I Weather. Um, this has been fun. we got to do a few more of these together. Yes, that would be great. I'd love that. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Anytime.